You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jasper Radicky. Jasper is VP of Marketing at Pixis, a company that helps marketers leverage AI without having to know how to code. And Jasper is here today to talk about, I think, a pretty important topic, which is strategies for marketing to marketers. Not easy to do. So, but first, before we dive in, Jasper, hello and welcome. It's so good of you to be here. Hey, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be here. So are you ready to dive into this? For sure. All right, let's do it. So now you guys, of course, market to marketers. Those are your people. That's your crowd. So what's interesting and challenging about that? How is marketing to marketers different than marketing to non-marketers? So I think uh, first and foremost, it's not completely different to market to marketers than other people. So I'm always skeptical when I hear people treat B2B marketing as something completely different, something that only B2B specialists can do, right? And I think the same applies broadly to marketing to marketers. After all, you know, we're always marketing to humans first. But I think it's definitely true that you're trying to engage domain experts in their specific domain. And that means you'll encounter much more skepticism and cynicism because you're really dealing with people who do this all day, right? So I would say you need to have, you're dealing with an awareness of the psychological mechanisms that you're trying to leverage, like for example, artificial scarcity or urgency or loss aversion and emotional triggers. And that just works much less well and reliably when you deal with people who spend a lot of time every day doing the same thing and who have an acute awareness of what you're trying to do here. So I would say you can't really rely on these kind of triggers with the same reliability as you would with other types of campaigns. And also your execution has to be flawless. I mean, so a formulaic drip campaign where you can basically see the merge fields, that's not going to fly with most marketers. It's going to be recognized as such. And the marketers will also like you less because they see how bad of a job you're doing. So mm-hmm. um, on the other hand, I think that marketers are also likely to pay attention and take a professional interest in a well-executed campaign. So for example, I regularly take pictures of ads and campaigns that I see and like, and then I store them in a dedicated folder just to get ideas for myself. So if you get a marketer's attention and you don't bore them right away, their savviness can actually lead you to more engagement. And this in turn allows you much more freedom and creativity in terms of concepts and execution. And that's what ultimately makes it fun and engaging and satisfying to market to marketers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sounds it's kind of like a double-edged sword. The yeah. the risks are maybe a little riskier if you screw up. and right. But if you do a good job, the rewards maybe can be higher or, or even better because of, of what you describe. So... What are so what are some pitfalls to avoid? I think you already gave us one of them with like a drip campaign, you know, making it so obvious right. that that's what Being it is. Sloppy in your work. Yes. Being, what's, what's, what are some other examples of that? Yeah, I think the, the biggest pitfalls is definitely internal bias. This when you think like, oh, I'm a marketer myself. I can make every decision based on my gut with a sample size of one. Right. And I've personally learned that I'm terrible at making predictions around which creatives will outperform others. And I think just being mindful of this, this mechanism is, I think, really important. Okay. 
So now you mentioned too that if if you're doing a good job, marketers might be intrigued, right, and pay even you know more more attention than a non-marketer, and that that gives you a kind of maybe creative freedom. So what are some examples of that? You know what what are some things that you can do to maybe take some creative risks that might very well pay off, given that you're marketing to marketers. Yeah, I think so. In the in the past, most of these examples have to do with breaking expectations or requiring the audience to engage. So, for example, one time we created a customized direct mailer that included the logo of the recipient's company, and we deliberately removed one of the pieces of the puzzle so you couldn't complete it. And trying to frustrate your audience in this way is usually something that I would not recommend, but with the right messaging, it can actually work. Um, another example, so at a previous company, we launched a product that helps stop mobile ad fraud from device mm-hmm. firms. And many marketers thought that this was a problem that was limited to regions outside the U.S. So that's why we kicked off our presentation at the event with a collage of found YouTube footage of tutorial videos on how easy it is to build a fraud farm. And then instead of a booth, we actually built a device farm and ran ads from the brands in the audience on it. And of course, some people didn't get it and basically thought we had provided like a charging station. And okay, what is this? But a lot of people did pay attention. And for them, it really drove home this message around like this being here in the US. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then I think there are also some little things. Right about now, we're about to test a carousel ad that is cut off on the side, so it appears to read, your marketing sucks. But then when you move to the next carousel panel, you actually realize that it uh, reads, your marketing succeeds with AI. And uh, one of our teammate uh, members, Praveen Anad, he's one of our copywriters. He came up with the idea, and I'm really excited to see how our audience will like it. Because, again, normally bait and switch ads are not new, but requiring the user to take an action and if they mm. don't do that, they may feel like you're insulting them. That is usually not compatible with that KISS model of traditional mass communication. Right. The KISS model being keep it simple, stupid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so marketing to marketers, you can maybe not necessarily keep it simple all the time and do something, as you just described, with a little more mm-hmm. complexity, a little more interactive. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so the, like the play there is that if you do it the right way, marketers will be impressed by this. They'll sort of get it in, in, in on a deeper level. Yeah, they will appreciate it professionally, right? Mm-hmm. Just like I mentioned myself, looking at paying attention to ads, or also mentioning sometimes to my wife when we're watching the same ad. Sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, this is really stupid. Like, why are they doing this? This is not mm-hmm. even saying what they're trying to say." Or I'll be like wow, this is so smart. And we have very different readings of these of these ads sometimes. Okay. And your wife might be like, well, what do you mean? That just looks like a normal yes. ad. Okay. Right. Because yes. you're, you're seeing it through professional eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. She yeah. works in biotech. So to her, marketing mm-hmm. is as foreign as biotech is to me. Right. Right. Got it. So what would be your advice for marketing teams that, you know, are sort of new at this or like, you know, they're launching something and they need to start marketing to marketers, but they're don't have a lot of experience with it. How do you start kind of, you know, simply so that you don't screw it up right away? Like, what's your advice? So I think the biggest advice is really to think outside of your comfort zone. 
Um, mm. But at the same time, keep measuring re results to make sure that you stay in touch with your audience. So that includes not skimping out on user research just because you you're part. The audience is basically part of your tribe. Mm. Okay, right. Because so don't don't assume too much. Don't assume that you know enough. Yeah, and, and, and don't I, assume I catch too much on doing this. Mm. Right. <laughs> well, I think we all do that to, to one degree or another. It's hard to avoid, right? But follow the, look at the data, follow the data. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Well, Jasper, how can, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Well, I mean, either on LinkedIn, the, the, that's probably the easiest way, or also if people want to connect with me via email, it's just jasper.radicky at pixis.ai. Okay, very good. Well, well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn in our show notes. And uh, if it's okay, we can put your email there too. People can, can send, you, send you a note. Well, you funny notes and, and good examples of marketing, please. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Jasper, th thanks a lot for, for a great conversation and some really interesting insights. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me on. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.